Hello, listeners. You're listening to Aid Evolved, and I'm your host, Rowena Thu. Today, we're going to take a little break from the current season on donors and investors in digital health to hear from Pippa Yates, one of the co-founders of Turn.io. Turn.io is a tech startup on a mission to unlock the power of chat, otherwise known as messaging apps, for positive impact. Among other things, they create products and provide services to help organizations and nonprofits launch chat-based applications. We'll be chatting with Pippa about the critical events that came together around the days when Russia first invaded Ukraine. We're going to hear about how she and Turn were called upon to create a lifeline of information to the people of Ukraine. This conversation was recorded live at the Chat for Impact Summit in November of 2022, hosted by Turn.io in partnership with WhatsApp. Just before we dive in today, a quick word from our sponsor, Idealist.org. Are you looking to hire dedicated and talented professionals? Idealist is the number one job board for the social impact sector. Whether you're hiring for a nonprofit, a business with socially responsible positions, or a company with a social mission, Idealist is the best way to reach an engaged community of millions, all looking to make the world a better place. Sign up to start posting jobs today. Go to idealist.org aid to get a credit for one free 30-day job listing. Now back to our show. Let's begin by taking a little peek at Pippa's life growing up in South Africa. I was born in Pietermaritzburg, South Africa, so it's um, Durban's little cousin just down the road. <laughs> um, so grew up there and then headed down to Stellenbosch for university where I actually studied jewelry design. Jewelry? Jewelry design. Jewelry design. Oh, you could study that. Four years. You're not wearing any jewelry today. What happened? The thing is, when you make jewelry using your hands a lot, and so you learn not to wear it because you'll scratch. Oh. You'll scratch your pieces <laughs> as you're building new ones. Uh, and so I wear very little jewelry, except on my ears, which these giant <laughs> headphones are currently. You can picture rolling. us in the studio right now in Cape Town. <laughs> yeah. And I, I decided I didn't want to do that. I was really concerned about the impact on the environment that mining has and being part of kind of the gold industry. Mining's and huge here in South Africa. I became less and less um, looking like the thing I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And so I went over to the UK and I studied design thinking and innovation and so got into product development like that and then got into the development sector um, kind of by fluke. What happened? When I was growing up, my father has been for a long time the chairman of a children's home back in Peter Marisburg that looks after kids that have been abused. Oh, wow. um, and so when That's I wanted amazing. to do something for my master's, I, I chose this group of young people as my target audience and to design something for them. But the project was all about helping them transition from, from school and being in the safe environment in a home to being out in the wild world all on their own when they turn 18. And they can no longer be funded by the state. And while I was doing that project, I ended up developing a youth employment platform because the biggest barrier they had was getting ready to work. Now, I promise this podcast isn't just about South Africa. But in case you didn't know, youth employment is a huge issue in this country. We have the highest unemployment rate in the world. So I think it was pretty spot on when Pippa chose to tackle that problem. It was the same youth unemployment project that would eventually put Pippa in touch with Prekelt.org. Prekelt is a nonprofit 
dedicated to using mobile technology to improve the lives of people living in poverty. It was founded by Gustav Prekelt, who, by the way, I interviewed in season one of the Inevolved podcast. Check it out. Turn.io, on its part, is actually a tech spinoff of Prekelt, created by Pippa and two of her colleagues, Simon DeHaan, Prekelt's chief engineer, and Gustav Prekelt himself. And so from there, I got hold of Prekelt.org because I see they were starting a similar project. So I was like, hello. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, this might be useful for you, you know. They called me and said, yeah, come chat to us. And I came in and I didn't realize that I was walking myself into an internship interview. <laughs> <laughs> you must have made a good impression, whether you were trying to or not. You came in and you didn't leave. I didn't leave for a very time. long time, for about seven years. That's a long time. <laughs> must like them. Yeah, very much so. I don't take on the job, wow. really. And that then transitioned into kind of co-founding Turn. What's the story there with Turn? So you're in Breakout, you're doing all this digital health. Correct me if I'm wrong, Breakout yeah. has a lot of digital health services and programs that they implement, particularly in the nonprofit sector. And then at some point you decided to create an organization that was going to be a tech startup, right? Yeah. Yeah, it 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 did happen quite organically. So within Prager.org, one of their most well-known projects is one called Mom Connect, and we were working on that program. And we got lucky enough to to start to introduce the WhatsApp business API into the program. At the time, it was very expensive SMS-based program, mm -hmm. but doing incredible impact in South Africa messaging a million moms every uh, every week about their pregnancy and helping them find out about what to eat and when to go back to the clinic up till their baby is two years old. And immensely successful program, but very expensive to run on SMS. And we started to introduce WhatsApp and the engagement between the moms and the health operators at the Department of Health, because it's a health department project, skyrocketed. And we basically broke the help desk. The poor health desk <laughs> operators um, got so many messages that they couldn't handle and the technology they had wasn't built for, for WhatsApp. You know, on SMS, people write everything in one message. On WhatsApp, you'll get, hi. And the next message is like, I have a question. And then the next message is the actual question. And then you get two more. And that thread of conversation was what we built Turn for. So we initially started out as a help desk product. It's that, funny how in, in the environment you're talking about, you wonder, like, the, broke the platform. Is that success or is that stress? Is it, you know, you, there's so much usage and then so much stress on the system. It's funny how some of the, the highest highs also happen at the same time as everything's falling oh, apart. Oh, completely. <laughs> we always say internally, don't waste a good crisis because it is just, just another opportunity. And, yeah. and, and Precal is also, I think, was it the first social impact organization that made that connection with WhatsApp business? Yeah. It's really Same. groundbreaking, I think, in, in the world, right? Like it was in terms of Mom Connect being able to move from SMS to WhatsApp. What you're talking about, that moment, yeah. that was the moment where the industry, not just, not just Mom Connect, not just PayCal, demonstrated how effective WhatsApp could be, particularly in Africa, where it's the dominant messaging platform. Yeah, it was a, a really pivotal moment. And then turn kind of was that help desk product that we we built to to address this problem of increased engagement and this new channel on WhatsApp. And we realized pretty quickly that this technology could be used outside of just the one nonprofit. We thought, you know, could we have a, a huge impact by 
enabling this technology be to use by tens of thousands of social impact organizations, so governments, nonprofits, and for-profit social enterprises as well. Yeah. And so we we started Turn, myself, Gustav, and Simon. Did you just walk out of the office one day and rent another room and st start getting to work? Or were you kind it of was, like under the umbrella of Preakal? How did it feel? Yeah, it was, it was under the umbrella kind of percolating for a little while. At the time, Simon had moved back to the Netherlands with his family and Gustav and I were in, in Johannesburg. And this idea of building this product and focusing it on um, other social impact organizations started to come about. And yeah, and then we just started building and eventually hired two more people. And we were, yeah, we were five when COVID hit. And we all of a sudden started working with the World Health Organization on their chatbot. And I know you've chatted to Andy as well. A little bit of shameless self-promotion here. Check out our conversation here on Aid Evolved with Andy Pattison of the World Health Organization, where we cover the 12 days that it took the WHO and its partners to launch the largest WhatsApp service in the world. We were lucky enough to be in the right place at the right time to help with the technology we had. And... um so we started to work with the World Health Organization and we obviously five of us couldn't do it all on our own. So we started to get in help. And not only did we have a whole lot of volunteers who came to work with us during that time, we also got some contract developers out of the Ukraine who became part of our team and are, are still with us today. So oh, we fascinating. Um, what was that experience like for you? You're plugging away with Simon on turn.io did did the WHO just call you up one day or did Gustav walk in and be like, hey, Pippa, surprise? No, uh, actually, Simon had a, a meeting with the World Health Organization a couple of months before. For a long time, I think Gustav and Precon generally had been talking to the World Health Organization about potentially different projects. So there was a long term relationship that kind of just came to fruition during that time because the need was so great. Very much takes 10 years to be an overnight success. I think there's a lot, yeah. a lot of ongoing conversations and work that went into then being at the right place at the right time during COVID. Right. But obviously things must have come together for you very quickly in those months of February and March. Yeah. I mean, we launched in, in a couple of days and uh, it was incredibly exciting and incredibly motivating and rewarding just to be able to do something and help out in, in the way we could. To handle that response to COVID in 2020, they onboarded a team of Ukrainian developers, many of whom continue to work with them to this day. They never imagined that these outsourced Ukrainian developers would then become the audience for the next crisis response. It all began on Thursday, the 24th of February, 2022 the day that Russian forces invaded Ukraine. Just the evening before, Turn.io had been speaking with the Meta Civic Engagement team about putting together a crisis response playbook. Basically a way of responding quickly and staying relevant in times of a humanitarian disaster. Just two days later, Pippa received the call. It was the WhatsApp team at Meta, otherwise known as Facebook, and they wanted her to get on a call with the state emergency services of Ukraine. Again, this time we were called up by WhatsApp. We're lucky enough to get called up by them when there are these fast-moving, highly risky situations. 
it started with the WhatsApp or the Meta Business Messaging team members working on, on these types of projects, calling us and saying, listen, can you jump on a call with the state emergency services? You know, they're wanting to get information out. We obviously want to support them in, in as many ways as we can. And we were ready to go. Unfortunately, that first... Do you remember where you were, what was going on with the team or with your yeah, work? Yeah, I remember it was a Saturday. I had to I leave a friend's birthday party to go home to jump on this call on Zoom. And unfortunately, that, that first call was cancelled because the the officials in Kiev had to had to hide because of the bomb sirens were going off. And so that, that immediately oh just hit really hard yeah. that that was the, the situation we were dealing with where, you know, and a couple of, of Zoom calls while we were coordinating, getting stuff running, you know, you have people dropping off because the sirens are going off. Crazy. And so very, very scary, but very motivating for us. Who, yeah. who are in a safe place, who, who can, you know, work around the clock to, to try yeah. and make something happen. Things played out very quickly over the course of the next couple of days. Pippa and her team started to piece together an idea of what the most useful content was going to be. Over the weekend, they set up a private server and the WhatsApp interface needed to demonstrate proof of concept to the state emergency services of Ukraine. Then... With the approval of emergency services on Tuesday evening at 7 p.m., the team broadcasts an SMS message to every citizen of Ukraine with a link to the service. And on that first day, 200,000 real users access the service. And then the real work started. You know, these situations change so quickly. You, Uh. You need to make sure that you have the most accurate latest information out there all the time. And so with with different things going on in the country, you know, we really had to, to put a lot of effort into in keeping the chatbot updated and making sure people had the latest information. And, uh, you know, all of that was manual in the, in the beginning. We, we, we believe very much that you do things that don't scale first. Mm. Um, I mean, particularly if you have to set it up in three days, right? Like it, it yeah, works in then, three days. Just be proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, you automate as you go along. So we, we started to try and look for other sources of information for other content. Unfortunately, a lot of the official government websites were down from cyber attacks. Well, um, from Russia. From Russia. Had taken down all the Ukrainian government websites. Yeah. Oh, wild. Wow. The only channels that were available were Facebook. Twitter, WhatsApp, and I think Telegram in in terms of like large scale um, messaging. And so, yeah, that was interesting. I'm not an expert on this by far, but the Russian government has pretty sophisticated cyber attack mechanisms. So the only ones that were able to withstand those attacks were the big tech organizations that have been fighting cyber attacks for so many years. So those are the only ones that were available. And so you have to turn to that and, you know, otherwise or or work in a space of no information. So you were tapping into into Facebook and and WhatsApp. Yeah, so of. we were we were kind of because the state emergency services had a, a great rhythm of letting out the latest content on Facebook. We built an integration between a Facebook page and our WhatsApp line so that content was published kind of in real time, and we didn't put any extra burden on their team by having to give us content and then us loading it. And um, so trying nice. to start to quickly automate those things that really make a difference. We were building new features for our product and able to do these things as we were going as what came up, you know, what was needed. So it was a fast-paced couple of weeks, really rewarding for the team in terms of being able to 
to help out our colleagues and friends who were right there in the danger zone. Starting from that first Saturday call, every day for weeks, Pippa and the team spoke daily with colleagues from Meta and the state emergency services. To start, Pippa herself was responsible for getting the right content on the service to help people navigate, digest, and act with useful information. This means she needed to understand it. At night, she would watch the devastating impact of Russian weapons on cities in Ukraine. Then, during the day, she would prepare information about what do you do when you're under fire? What happens when you're exposed to a chemical weapon? How do you prepare for an evacuation that could happen at any point? As anyone who's worked in emergency response knows, this kind of work takes its toll. More than once, she found herself in tears over the reality of what was going on in Ukraine. Before long, her colleagues told her, Hey, Pippa, you need to take a step back from this. You have to spread the load. We got to work as a team. I asked Pippa, of the weeks and months you spent directly supporting Ukraine, what's a moment that stands out in your memory? Now, for me, as a techie and a geek, I just thought she might say something about servers crashing or Russian cyber attacks. But she reminded me that for most normal human beings, the moments that matter most are the ones where you get some sense of the people that you've helped, the impact you've had, the moments captured by a face or a smile somewhere on the other side of the world. The one that sticks out most was, um, so for the first few weeks, I would say probably three weeks, we'd be having these almost daily calls with the team in, in Ukraine at the State Emergency Services. And we'd all been on Zoom with no videos on. And the first time we all put our videos on to say hello, and I saw the State Emergency Services team sitting there in their emergency uniforms. Oh, that was the end of me after that call. I, I think I had a good sub. It was just one of those really powerful moments where you see someone with a smile on their face who's going through doing the best they can in this impossible situation and seeing a friendly face on the other side. It was hugely powerful for me personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes so much sense. I mean, their their lives are being destroyed, their homes are being torn apart, and at least you hear you can do something about yeah. that. You can help them. They're reaching out. They're asking for your help, and you can work with them day in and day out. And and I love just just the fact that you're based here in South Africa. Like just, you can you can work with them in their time zones, and you have your developers. You have, you have four developers in Ukraine itself. So working with them to keep the service going, I think is just a such a remarkable confluence of factors of you being in the right place at the right time to make a difference, which is just incredible. There will be many more crises, right? And so every time and every day, we're kind of working towards being more and more prepared to be able to do these things faster, to kind of share what we know and what we've learned of this time and starting to create reusable components for the next chat service that can be launched even quicker. I asked Pippa, you've built chatbots for steady state, healthcare as usual, like the Mom Connect system you mentioned for pregnant mothers in South Africa. At this point, you've also built several chatbots designed for the acute moments of an emergency response. What are some of your takeaways from these experiences? Do you have any guidance for others building tools for times of crisis? Yeah, it's a great question. I think that the difference comes down to motivation. During crisis, you know, people are really highly motivated 
to access information because they're in such a dire situation. In a normal day to day, you know, people don't generally just go browse health information from the World Health Organization. Um, they, they should. Yes, yeah. yes, you should. No, it's it, it's it's an interesting time where people are really health seeking, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when you're building a service outside of that environment, outside of this really high levels of motivation, and you're dealing with either chronic illness or you're trying to raise awareness about certain diseases, that motivation to find that information ca- could be a lot lower. So you got to tackle the the situation quite differently. We always recommend that you find something that is in similar ways to those case numbers. It was something short and quick that someone needed, information that they needed right at that time. What can you provide that provides a utility for your users that that they'll think about to come back to? So is that a body mass index calculator? Something you know they they might use and they might come back and use it, I use it. year after year <laughs> after year. So those those really task based, those really are generally in in times outside of crisis get a lot more engagement than than purely information systems, just because of that motivation level is is just different. That makes a ton of sense, and I think even the example you stated earlier about how they. In an emergency response, they're hungry for this information. They need it. So maybe it's okay if the message is a bit long. Maybe yeah. it's okay if you had to copy and paste it from the WHO guidelines this one time because they're, they're going to they're gonna take it if that's the only lifeline of information that they have. Exactly. Well, let's talk about the future. What happens next with TURN? Yeah, I mean, at our Chat for Impact Summit this week is just such a celebration for us of all these amazing organizations we get to work with every day. And so amazing. Yeah, next we'll turn, you know, we, we want to continue scaling and amplifying the impact of social impact organizations. As you know, we exist to scale effective support to vulnerable populations. That's why we set up this, this business. That's why we're building this product. And so we're looking to get a whole lot of more people involved in this Chat for Impact community and and showcase the real impact that can be had with chat, both in crisis and scenarios, but also more generally in health and chronic care, mental health and the like. There's some great research starting to come out on, on chat support services and chatbots in the space that we're really excited to see. And we want to make a successful and evidence-driven chat services more easy to replicate. So that's what we're working towards. Um, you should be able to copy, paste, and remix an impactful chat service with a click of a button if you want it for your organization. And we're lucky enough to have, you know, the World Health Organization sharing, for example, the smoking cessation program. And then you can freely download that chat service and launch it tomorrow if they'd like. So wow. more of that. Nice. Great to hear. For listeners who want to learn more about you or the work that you do, what's the best place for them to do so? Yeah, Twitter or our website. So find me on Twitter at Pippa Yates and at turn.io. Pippa and her team continue to tackle the major crises of our generation. From Ukraine to COVID-19 and the war in Afghanistan. I hope you're able to take something away from her experience about what people need in times of crisis, the thirst for reliable information, and the kind of problems that technology can and cannot solve. If you'd like to learn more, you can download our show notes at aidevolved.com. And if you like what you heard today, connect with us on LinkedIn or Twitter at Aid Evolved. We'll see you again in two weeks when we get back to our regular season on donors and investors in digital health.
Take care, everyone.